Hi there, this is Jim the Keys bartender coming to you from a beautiful Key Largo. You ever get those days where the colors just seem brighter, more vibrant? I guess it's, I I don't know if you can actually see humidity, but sometimes (laughs) it appears as if you're looking through a cloud of humidity. And sometimes when the air is a bit drier, when it's under 90%, let's say 80%, 75%, God forbid, below 70%, it just just has a crispness to it, crispness, not crispness to it, because uh, we very rarely look like Christmas here, more like, uh, or more like at a permanent uh, Memorial Day here in the Keys. But I digress. Once again, as I do many times, if you're not familiar with the Keys bartender, uh, a lot of times we'll talk about bartending, which you might think it is, but I happen to be a bartender who's not working as a bartender right now, but about Keys life and life in general. A lot of times I lean more heavily into life in general with the Keys outlook, I guess, living in the this tropical paradise. And I've said many times before, there are beautiful places all around the world. I just happen to live in one of those. Um, So I am very fortunate. And I'm going to try to stay away from a big life event from a week and a half ago. And if you don't know about it, just go back a couple episodes. But it has made me more reflective on my life and how to continue it. Once you're, you know, once you're given a reprieve, a uh, from, you know, when you're given a reprieve either by the universe or your higher power from God, whatever you'd like to call it, and I'm not uh, making light of it, whatever you want to call it, but I'm talking about the essence of, of what I'm talking about is the reprieve. And there's one thing I wanted to really talk about today. And it's kind of embodied in this quote from Carl Jung. And he's a famous uh, psychologist who uh, was born in the late 1800s and passed away in 1961. And his was, life really does begin at 40. Up until then, you're just doing research. Now, I'm... Um, obviously, when you're in that position, when you're older, you like to think of that, like life begins. So, you know, you hear the, the terms, uh, 50 is a new 40, 60 is a new 40, whatever you want to call it. I mean, any age could be the new whatever. And having people view you as younger is not as important as how you view yourself and how you choose to proceed to go forward. And many times you'll hear me reference my uh, journey through life. Back in 2007, I was, I got separated and then subsequently divorced, but I had moved to Key Largo, Florida from Philadelphia. My, uh, I didn't have the family situation or the obligations in Philadelphia, meaning I didn't have children or responsibilities that I needed really uh, that kept me there. And I said, yeah, maybe I did have responsibilities. I did have responsibilities in marriage. But we we tried uh, as a couple addressing those, going to four different 
Marriage counselors. Yes. I went to four different marriage counselors. And uh, during that time, one of our marriage counselors in between appointments passed away. And uh, he acts, you know, actually that person was the best counselor we did have. And I went to um, a singles counseling where I just needed uh, addressing my own issues while I was up there. But all that time I was attempting to salvage that relationship, I really didn't do any work on myself. I had uh, shown a lot of promise when I was younger. And, uh, but when I really got into substance abuse, when I said when I got into substance abuse, it wasn't, well, I guess it was research. I was doing first-hand research on alcohol abuse. And I did it for years, and I never really addressed that. And it was nobody else's responsibility other than my own to address that thing in my life that kept me from actually, it clouded me. It clouded me from um, trying to find the answers on the things I wanted to do. I was always disparate. You know, I had so many different distinct likes and dislikes in life. And I would quickly, I would get on interest, uh, I would get interested in a subject and then get a modicum of understanding of it and move on to the next. I had a huge amount, plethora of great ideas, I thought to myself were great ideas. And then upon investigation and deep thought, I thought they were actually kind of run of the mill. And over a time, through my early adulthood to my early midlife, I really found myself wanting when compared to the people around me and my friends and my compatriots. And that led me further down that deep rabbit hole of, I have to say, kind of a quiet despair. Because it's a quiet despair when you're not apparently on the outside despairing. And you're seeming to have a good time. Behaving like uh, one of those 18th century or 19th century bon vivants, just going about the town, drinking, having a good time, trying to, you know, pretend that you're interesting. Yeah, but pretend that you're interesting by finding diverse interests in life, dabbling in, in you know, all sorts of things like journalism, in technology in marketing, in political activism, all those things, while always, always having my hand firmly gripped on that pacifier, which was uh, alcohol for me. And I'm not talking about, this isn't about substance abuse right now. This is just about uh, life's development and how I developed and what made me kind of think about a different path. So uh, I'm not going to go deep into my history. I've done that many a times. But back in the beginning of the 21st century, only 23 years ago, I decided I was engaged prior to uh, the last time I was engaged or 
two engagements ago, um, I think three different times. Three different times. And then eventually on the third one, I ended up getting married. And my biggest concern at that time was being alone and never having gotten married. I had uh, relatives in my extended family who we knew the, the drunken uncle the stereotypical drunken uncle who was who's the you know lifelong bachelor not the lifelong bachelor bachelor of you see in um, my fair lady where it could possibly be because um, you know they had different lifestyles no this was because I I wasn't a suitable partner for my behaviors I wasn't I wasn't a suitable partner. I didn't realize that. I th- always thought that I just was interested in different people, different women. And uh, so when I started getting scared in my late 30s that I might be one of those people, I didn't want to be a stereotype. I decided to get married, and it was half-assed. I half-assed all the rest of it. I took a job with a software company. I tried maybe three quarters tried. I had some modicum of success. Um, I realized I needed to learn uh, computers. I had to learn the whole... I, I had, for all those years I was drinking and stuff like that, I just foregone technology, danced on the edges of it and stuff. And the 21st century dawns, and I could barely read an email, you know, send an email. Could barely. Did not understand the basic tenets of modern society and without knowing computers I didn't I was left I would have been functionally illiterate in the job market so I got the job and I became I wouldn't call literate but semi-literate and and including the marriage I become semi semi-committed and for about six years I played at being a stable individual and then the marriage fell apart. And that's when I came down to Key Largo. And I thought I found a place when I came down here that was going to uh, allow me to indulge on in my greatest pastime, which was drinking, that no one would frown upon it. It's a drinking culture. Like I said in many time episodes before, it's a drinking town with a fishing problem instead of a fishing town with a drinking problem. So here I come. I'm down here for literally three and a half months. And I realize life is the same it was before for me in a different place. I brought all my problems with me, all my views. My lifestyle was the same. My path was going to be the same. I was going to have the similar relationships a bunch of failed relationships, never really forming a really meaningful bond with anybody. Until I decided to interrupt it, disrupt it. And uh, a friend, my best friend at the time, said I needed to get some help. And you know what's funny? He didn't mean for me to stop drinking. He said I needed to get control of my drinking, which for many of you, you know, maybe you can do it. But for anybody like this alcohol, alcoholic, I, I really couldn't get a grip on it. I just had, the only solution for me was total abstinence. I just didn't know it at the time. And I was seeking help from healthcare. 
uh, provider. I was looking for an appointment and I couldn't get one for two, maybe three weeks, I think it was at the time. And the receptionist, I said, what am I going to do till then? And she goes, are you going to hurt yourself? No, I'm not going to hurt myself, but I really would like to get help. And she said, are you drinking too much? Why don't you check out um, that pro 12-step program in the front of the phone book? And, you know, they more they had more phone books back then. So I guess it would be in the front of the listings on Google now. And that would be like, there would be an A followed by another A. And I was sober for seven years. I, uh, from uh, 2007 to 2014, in that time, early on, I met my lovely wife, Abby, and my, who uh, was the mother to my very young stepdaughter at the time. And uh, she was going through her own marital issues, but we ended up finding each other uh, when she was separated and up staying together. We moved in together after her husband, our ex-husband passed away uh, from um, a horrible illness. And, uh, but I decided to do some more research in 2014 for five more years. And I realized that I didn't have what it takes to control my drinking. And the only answer to was the original one I saw, which was total abstinence. So I call those things in 2007 when I stopped drinking. And when I stopped drinking again in 2019, there were disruptions. And yes, all that time, I was 44 when I came down here. And I was 51 when I went back to drinking and I went back, uh, came back to sobriety when I was 56. So I guess I didn't know um, what, you know, when life was going to really start for me. I started, I did make progress. I made progress in my outlook. Uh, One of the tenants in the group I belong to because of the, some people call it an affliction or an illness. That's what we view it on. Other people think it's behavioral. You know, just a, um, something, a, a habit. But they suggest that once you're living in that uh, disease, once you live in alcoholism, you cease to progress. You're kind of frozen in your development. And each time... I had stopped. I was giving, it gave me the opportunity to rethink and examine the way I live my life. Now, people that have issues drinking, also, many a time, there's also parallel issues that go on, like just like anybody else. There's few people that don't have certain things they'd ha- like to change about themselves. And I had them too. I had them too, and I had many of them, but one of the things was focus and dedication and follow through. I had to develop a really good habit of not finishing things I started. And it was uh, based in, uh, one of my things was fear. And we talk about fear a lot in the group I belong to, and it's, it's it's not a real thing, fear, as I said before, fear, anxiety, 
uh, whatever you call trepidation, that all resides in your forecasting events in the future. And they rarely ever turn out the way we really think they would. You know, obviously, you have to take care of things, like you should take care of yourself. If if you're not eating well, you should eat well. You know, if you don't exercise, you eat too much and do this, you can end up having issues. And this isn't a body shaming episode or anything like that. Or if you don't pay your taxes, or if you don't go to work, or if you don't work on your relationship. And working on your relationship means just communicating with your partner. All those things, neglect and no follow through, lead to problems in time. It's like in the movie, uh, and I'm making another reference, there's a movie with Peter Sellers was in back in 1980, I think it was, called Being There. And he was a learning disabled gardener who lived with a wealthy family. And eventually, the last person in the wealthy family passed away. And the people that were handling the state of this wealthy person found Peter Sellers' character on the property and realized that this person was uh, learning disabled. And he just... Uh, ended up falling into uh, falling through the cracks, and what people uh, did, they mistook his silence and his simple comments about tending to the garden as uh, a sign of his brilliance. A very he was a, considered very succinct, and he eventually rose to the highest levels of power, and. He would always use, they always took the comments he would talk about how he handled the old man, how he tended to the garden, as comments about the political economy of the United States at the time. And people thought he was brilliant. But the idea of tending to your garden, if the garden is your life, think about it. You have to weed You have to fertilize, you have to till, you have to sow, you have to reap. Sometimes you have to let let it lay fallow. And then it comes back. And that's the way life is. And if you don't tend to a garden, it can quickly become choked with weeds. Overgrown with plants. If you don't water it, they just die. So... Why not in life? Why do, why do we not do these things in life sometimes? Well, for me, uh, it was, you know, it was alcohol. And the, I guess, the companion of procrastination and fear. But other people just have procrastination and fear. They have trepidation. They have a, uh, a low sense of self-esteem where they never get started. They never get started. They never they never see. I know, I'm going to throw shitloads of uh, metaphors in there. But they never see a green light ahead of them. They only see stoplights. And a lot of times, you know, that, that thing where people forecast, like, forecast their doom ahead of times, 
they end up doing nothing. And they most assuredly seal their doom before it even gets started. They, they don't get the career they want because they never pursue the degree or the qualifications they need to get it or don't even interview for it or build that resume or go on, you know, don't go on the resume. Don't look for the job. Relationships. They don't go and seek out other people. I meet a ton of people in the restaurant business where people say, I can't meet anybody. And I say, well, you know what? Every Friday and Saturday, or Thursday, Friday and Saturday, I was working. I said, I see you in here. And the only people you're going to meet in here are the people that come in here. It's common sense. If you really want to meet, do you have other interests out there? There are tons of places to go and meet people. I know, and I always fall back with the gym. There are different societies. There's like Toastmaster. That's an interesting group. There's horticulture societies. You can learn to go, you can go skydiving. That may be a little bit extreme for some of you. But uh, theater groups, there could be, you know, sometimes political groups are a little too hung up. There's church groups. There's meditation groups. There's yoga. Gosh. There's also, there's running groups. All types of enthusiastic groups you can go to. You can learn, join a civic group. You can join um, a uh, Kiwanis club, the Rotary. All these things take you out of your comfort zone, take you into places where you meet people that you normally haven't met. And that's tough for some people, I understand. If you're an introvert, how hard is it? How hard it must be. I, it's hard for me to grasp that sometimes. The prison that introverts or agoraphobics have. I know. That's another thing. We'll speak about that on another day. But if you're not an introvert, a lot of times it's good to go in there. It's all right to be the novice. Do you understand what that means? And it's all right to be the novice. And it's all right to tell people. Because sometimes they appreciate your candor. You know, I'm sure you can go and join a group and you say, listen, I don't really know much about orchids, but I really enjoy looking at them. I'd like to learn more about them. And some people may look at it and say, boy, I wish I was uh, at your point because you're going to learn so many wonderful things. And, you know, orchids, right? Or joining a band. You know, I, or learning how to... You know, joining a band. Just think about that. That takes you into a different, into a different, you know, peer group. So always think. And you were. And one last thing I wanted to talk about too, and I did mention on a directly previous episode. If you don't like the way your life is going, think about your peer group, the people that are around you. Do you admire their life? Do you want their life? Are there people that you admire? Someone, if you had uh, the chance of picking someone who would be your advisor, would they be the ones that you would choose? Are they the ones you'd want to emulate? And if the answer is no, you should think about getting different peers to be around there. I recently, what was it, about a month ago, served on a jury. 
And um, I actually enjoy the people that were picked on the jury because what happens is you go through the voir dire process where the defense and the uh, prosecution are, you know, they're making character judgments on who would be best for you. So you have to have pretty much a pseudo mutual agreements between two diverse, two groups of diverse interests, the prosecution and the defense. And you have to qualify basically to be a juror, you know, being a, a citizen of a certain geographic reason, region. And then there's further criteria and you put in with your peers and you can look around and you say, oh, this is interesting. And the people that I met there, I said, oh, well, they were very admirable people. They were. And unfortunately, I didn't get a lot of time to spend with them because we went halfway. We went half a day. We broke for lunch. It was a small DUI trial, you know. And I, I didn't say it was inconsequential, but they had to end it because of a procedural matter, which I think from what I understand from all the years of watching Law and Order, and I did take criminal justice class, a couple of criminal justice classes in, in college, that um, they, I think they screwed up on discovery because of the question. Discovery is uh, the prosecution, uh, oh, you know, providing the um, all the evidence they have to the defense so they can mount an adequate defense or an informed defense. And uh, I don't know if that goes both ways. I'm going to I'm going to look into that. That's just on my own thing. But um, I'd like to thank you. I'd like to um, thank for people uh, I met. I like to. I did mention Sean, all the people that reached out to me. Um, uh, Danny, uh, the avid listener. Uh, gosh, uh, Desiree. You know, and I, I. You know what? There's people out there that really get you started. I do appreciate Sabrina. I just uh, spoke to a Sabrina, and she's a podcaster. She's in the medical field. She happened to be a uh, a, a, a Drexel graduate, and she reached out to me the other day, and I thought that was interesting. She's uh, she's a podcaster, so um, there's an event coming up. I'm looking forward to. I wanted to get uh, some more information on that, and I look forward to. Uh, all the new people, all the listeners, my sister, uh, all the people I have, the foreign listeners I have, which is incredible. I still think it's amazing that, you know, last year I had virtually no listeners in Ireland, and now a full 2% of my listeners are in Ireland, which is huge if you think about it. It's huge because Ireland has about... Uh, a little more than, or maybe a little more than 1% of U.S. population. So the listenership, I'd have to say, is greater total than uh, the U.S., which makes a lion's share of it, obviously. And then we have Spain. And all the stuff I said about Russia, holy moly, I have more listeners in Russia than I have in Ukraine. And you know I'm a big Ukraine supporter, but I'm not against the Russians, so I digress once again, and you'll hear me digress many times in the future. I'd like to thank you for listening. I hope you have a great day, and we'll be back with another episode. I think we'll be back tomorrow. But thank you very much, and have a great day. Bye.